Good morning, everybody. That's right. I am not Tyler Trumbauer. This is Tubby covering for Tyler as he's away in Connecticut with uh, the women's soccer team alongside with me, as always, uh, usually on a Tuesday 30 or Tuesday Thursday, not 30. Gosh darn it. If I could speak this morning, it would really help. But anyway, alongside me is the athlete formerly known as Extraordinaire Chewy. Chewy, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing great. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's different. Obviously, you're not uh, Tyler, but it's, it's cool. Like, I get to work alongside you, you know what I'm saying? We're doing something different, so. A little uh, bit different, yeah. yeah. I'm, usually, usually when Tyler's not here, I have Vic with me, but Vic has class. And uh, since it is your day, uh, we're going to go basketball heavy. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> you doing that for me. Of course, I'm never going to turn down basketball talk. So, I, and you know what? The good thing is, we have a lot to talk about basketball wise. Yep. Uh, we opened up our home season here last night. Ladies and uh, your men's team took on Slippery Rock. Yep. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about the ladies. Um, they ended up. I was okay. Make sure I didn't want to mess up the computer here. Alrighty. <laughs> Uh, let's see, the ladies ended up winning 83-66, had a strong first half and came on late to win it. Um, what were your thoughts on their game, Chu, as, as you were there? Um, yeah, I was there. I caught a little bit of this game. Um, going into this season, there was a lot of uh, question marks for the ladies because they were losing a lot. They were losing, like I think, like five players. Um, two, I think they lost like two or three. They like lost three starters. So it was a lot of question marks going into this season. Obviously, their their big time players that they were going to lean on were Anye, um, who's been pr- very productive over the last couple of years, and then also Lauren Hippo. So they relied heavily on them. They knew that they were going to have to rely heavy on them this year if they were going to be successful. And obviously, they have a lot of newcomers, and it was just a lot of question marks. Nobody knew how good they were potentially going to be. But um, they came out last night and basically took it to Slippery Rock. Um, I don't know if anybody saw this coming. They beat them by by almost 20, 20 points, so that was big time. Um, the new the new uh, girl we have here, Katie Fisher, had twenty six points, which is big time. Uh, transfer she transferred in. I'm not sure from where, but she transferred in and she came in and she so she's making a lot of progress. Um, that's also that's good for them, and it's just there was a lot of question marks, and they they seemed to answer a lot of questions here in the first their first PSEC game. Right, you mentioned uh, Katie Fisher. She went ten of seventeen for field goals, including four of nine for three pointers. Right, added seven seven rebounds and seven assists. Yeah, so she played a very well all around game. I think I don't think a lot of people knew who she was before she came in. You know, they know now. They, they definitely they know, know now. now. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely know now. So, and I was also surprised. I mean, I wasn't. I I wasn't surprised at the fact that as how well she played. It's just that I didn't know what she was capable of. So now, you know, we're gonna come to expect performances like this, this from her. You know, from here on out. And also, Anya had a a good game. Anya Freeland. She had 18 points. Um, Lauren Hippo at 15 points. So those are the two that we expected, you know, to contribute. Mm-hmm. And they got it done. So it was a good opening win for them. And uh, hopefully they keep it rolling. Right. I mean, it, I know, sky's the limit with this team. I mean, they're they're off to a running start. I mean, a sprinting start yeah. here. 
as they go in. So uh, they're right now they're three and zero, one and zero in the PSAC West. Yeah. So definitely a good start coming up. They have uh, on Saturday, it appears they will be going against Kutztown, and that's a one p.m. tip off. Yes, yes, yep. So that'll be interesting to see how they stack up against Kutztown. Uh, now we flip on over to the men's side, which, as everybody who has it was anybody who has <laughs> ever listened to the show know that you're a part of my friend, and uh, you guys managed to put them down. Yeah. I mean, they. This is a team who uh, beat you guys handily last year. Yeah. I believe you mentioned uh, before the broadcast three times, correct? They beat us three times, yeah, and they were also the team that knocked us out of the playoffs last year. Right. So it's a it's a rivalry game, and I, I for one, being an Edinburgh student, I'm for one, I'm of the belief that friends don't let friends go to slippery rock. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, uh, anytime you can beat the Rock, I- I'm a happy camper. And to beat them 80 to 74, uh, to me is just is awesome. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So, uh, what what are your thoughts on the game as, as it progressed? Is it really as tight as as a score? Um, well, in my opinion, in my opinion, even last year I thought this. I thought that we were a lot more talented than a lot of the teams we played. Like as far as individual talent went, that we had more than a lot of teams. Even though we lost to a lot of team, we lost to a lot of teams we were supposed to beat just simply because we didn't finish games in the fourth quarter. So I feel I felt like, and we had nine new players last year. So it took a little bit time, took a little bit of time for our chemistry to get together, and for us to get on the same wavelength. You know, it took longer than expected. So. Um, with yesterday's victory, 80 to 74, I wasn't surprised. We started off a little slow, um, just, you know, a little mm-hmm. first game nerves and stuff. But as soon as we got it rolling, we got it rolling. Uh, Buka, that our, our leading scorer, led us with 17. Jamin had 14 as well. Those are the two guys that were, got all the preseason hype and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, Tommy, Tommy Scales also came in with 15 points. So that's big time. And then we had a lot of production off of the bench from uh, two new com- from three newcomers actually. Uh, Jalen Head he contributed with eight quick points. Uh, Michael also had eight, and Art Cook also brought a lot of energy, defensive energy and intensity into the game. And that's kind of what we needed a- after we got off to a slow start. We needed a little bit of energy because it was clear that there was just first game jitters. Right. So as far as um, a lot of people were surprised that we beat Slippery Rock. I wasn't surprised simply because I know what we're capable of, obviously, being on the team. So I have kind of a, a in-depth look in-depth look there. But, yeah, it's a right. big win for us. It's a big win for us to get it get it going in the PSAC. And we got two more games coming up, two more uh, conference games coming up here. So we look to keep the ball rolling as well. Right. I mean, if, if you're looking here at the uh, – I'm just looking over the box score here. Uh, you look at points in the paint, Slippery Rock had 36, you guys had 28, so you're keeping pace there. But where it really starts to separate here is we're looking at points off of turnovers. Right. Slippery Rock had six. You guys had 21. Right. That's a difference maker. If you can get that ball and then score off of that, I mean, that's easy. That's how you win ball games right there. And then you look at the bench points. Slippery Rock off their bench only had three. You guys had a combined total of, like you mentioned before, the guys coming off the bench of 25. Yeah. 25 points from your bench. If you can go that deep into your bench, pull three guys off and get 25 points out of them, 
Yeah, man, definitely, definitely big time. Uh, forcing turnovers is definitely something that we tried to emphasize um, just because we have a lot of guards, so we're quicker. We're not as big as we were last year. Um, we lost two big men last year, so we are kind of smaller, and we wanted to go out there and create more havoc out there, and then we were successful. So scoring 20-plus points off of turnovers is big time, and obviously getting production from our bench is also big time. So it was a good – it was a good – um, it wasn't pretty, wasn't the prettiest win, but as far as things that we wanted to get accomplished, we got the majority of them done. So that's big time for us. Right. So a little forward. bit, of, a little bit of redemption gained. Yeah. A big confidence builder. Definitely. Because, Definitely. uh, I mean, from, from my memory, I believe that, that rock's always been one of those teams that's been solid within the PSAC West. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's not to say like they're dominant or anything, but they, you got to go through those guys. Exactly. Slipper Rock's just one of those teams that you got to beat if you're looking to win anything in the PSAC. And the PSAC being one of the more um, competitive leagues, uh, Slippery Rock is usually around that side, around like the one through four, you know, seed. So it was a big win for us, definitely a big confidence, bo- confidence booster. And it's just gonna, it just only can give us more momentum, you know, as we move forward. So. Awesome. I can't wait for the rest of the season. It looks like it's going to be an exciting time, uh, not only as you for an athlete, but us as fans uh, to be a part of Burrow and to to watch the the peace action. Yeah. You know how they always talk about the maxion? Yeah, I stole that. Yeah, yeah. It's now the the peace action. (laughs) That's right. I'm coined it right here. You heard it right here first on the morning after on 88.9 WFSE, coined a new term. It's the peace action. Just hope it sticks. Let's yeah, hope it sticks. We know, yeah. I know you're a trendsetter, though, so it should. <laughs> <laughs> That's me, a trendsetter. That's awesome. Uh, speaking of other news around the borough, let's get to the big bomb that dropped yesterday. As um, athletic director Bruce Bumgarner announced that head coach Scott Browning will not return, will not return as head football coach of your Edinburgh Fighting Scots football team. Uh, Browning has been a member of the coaching staff for the last 30 years here in Edinburgh, last 10 as the head coach after being named the 13th head coach in the Fighting Scots program history back in 2006. This uh, is, uh, I'm reading this off of an article written by our own Mike Fenner on edinburghnow.com. Um, so if you have, uh, you want to find out more as we discuss it here, I'm sure um, Fenner, we're going to get a hold of Fenner here either later in this program or definitely tomorrow we will have Fenner on, and if not, um, probably Tyler as well will call in from Connecticut, and we'll have some more information on this. But, uh, I mean, this last season, it wasn't all that good for our boys yeah. on the football team going 0-11. So I, I kind of figured that, like, a little shakeup was coming. I just didn't know that uh, that he was he was going to step down. or Right, right. This being my, my second year here at Edinburgh, I didn't know much about um, – Scott Browning or, you know, Edinburgh, Edinburgh football. But I feel like anytime you go 0-11, there needs to be, you know, some type of change. You know, and I'm not the one to advocate th- that the – I'm not advocating that he should have been fired, but it seems like he had been there for a while. And, um, you know, Edinburgh just decided to move in, in a, into a different direction, and which makes sense after coming off a season where you don't win a game. So – Obviously, there's some shakeup, something needed to happen. So, uh, I just hope for the best for Edinburgh football. They find somebody here, and you know, turn the program around. But yeah, 
I believe that um, Bruce, in, in his official statement, Bumgarner said that they are launching a nationwide search okay. for the next uh, head for the next head coach. And as soon as more information becomes available, uh, as soon as we find out where that search is heading, um, I'm sure you can hear about it right here on WFSE, or if not through Edinburgh now, as we got you covered with campus media. We are everywhere you are and bringing you the information that you want to know. Um, so we're going to have more coming up. There's also going to be a statement. Um, Fenner uh, alluded to it in his article on Edinburgh Now that um, he will get statements from not only Bruce Bumgarner, but also from uh, former coach Scott Browning himself. But it's about that time, Chu. We're going to go ahead and hit our first break here uh, going into uh, here of the morning since it's 15 after a 9 when we usually take our first break. So let's go ahead and do that. We'll come back and we'll talk about some of the stuff that's going on in the NBA. Big shakeups, big movement, and uh, some comments from a superstar that uh, I'm not really sure if it was really directed at his team. The morning after, it's Tubby and Chewy for your listening pleasure here. We're going to be talking about the NBA and other whatnots. Uh, So, Chew, NBA, McHale. Gets fired 10 games into the season. Yeah. Why? Um, well, I mean, did he, did he like, date the, the owner's daughter? You know, I mean, it's like. <laughs> this this firing was was kind of, you know, out of left field for me. Well, for those who don't know, Kevin McHale is the, um, the head, was the head coach for the Houston Rockets, a team that finished second in the Western Conference last year and made it to the Western Conference Finals. So they had a great year, you know, especially being in the West where it's so tough to win games and it's the more competitive conference, as everybody knows. Uh, Kevin McHale here gets fired after 10 games. Um, as his team, got off to, his team got off to a slow start, you know. Basically, they haven't been healthy. You know, their team starts off 4-7. and seven. They obviously had high hopes coming into this season, having an MVP candidate, somebody who, James Harden, who, a lot of people thought he should have won the MVP last year. Right. Know? He was yeah, he was he was long in that discussion for the MVP. Yeah, he was in it till probably the end of the season. It was just it was between him and Steph Curry as to who was going to win it. So they obviously they had high hopes coming into the season. But they started they're starting off slow. You know, they started off four and seven. Um do I think that this this is justified that they should have fired him after ten games? Absolutely not. It's like I said, they came off of uh, one of their best years as a program. They finished second in the Western Conference, and they made it to the Western Conference Finals. Nobody saw this team making it that far, and not even not only to mention, they were down three to one in the series versus the Clippers last year, and came back all the way and beat the Clippers, beat them four three, to move on to the Western Conference Finals. So they obviously achieved, they overachieved uh, last year. So, you know, even though they, they got off to a slow start, it's, it's like they had new pieces. They brought in a new point guard, Ty Lawson. Um, they lost Josh Smith, um, he was, who was a key component for them coming off the bench. So it's not like they had the exact same team and, you know, uh, the players just weren't uh, just weren't playing hard or something. It's like they have a, a, a new – they have a couple new players. You know, they have mm-hmm. almost a new system that um, – the players have to adjust to. 
So it's like they were trying to get their chemistry down pat. Dwight Howard, uh, their big man in the middle, has been out for a couple games. So this is unfortunate for uh, Kevin McHale. I was kind of shocked by it. But, you know, at the end of the day, the NBA is a business, and th- this is what happens. You don't get – you see how short your leash can be even after coming off a great season last year. Right. Yeah. And then, I mean, the, and then the Rockets go and win in overtime against the Trailblazers. Yeah. <laughs> right, man. Harden goes crazy, goes nuts. Forty-five solo points. Yeah, in that game. Yeah, you know, I mean, it has uh, their interim guy, JB Bickerstaff. Right. Mm-hmm. Has he had enough time to have influence, or was this more of a shout back to to Mikhail being, "Hey, we know what we did for you. We're going to ball out for you a little bit here and try to show the show the staff a little something." I. Yeah, probably so. In my opinion, I don't think the players wanted him to leave. Um, I don't think they were, you know, advocating for him to get fired or anything. Like, there was just, like, a revolt in the locker room. Um, Kevin McHale being, like, being one of the best big men in history, I know um, he was a key component in how Dwight Howard was going to play because, you know, what best, you know, there's no better tutor to get tutored from from a big man than Kevin McHale. So, obviously, Dwight Howard – being there and being one of the best big men in in the league, that was good for him. So I don't think they advocated for him to get fired or anything. And usually when an interim head coach steps in, they're just they follow the program of the the predecessor. You know, they don't they don't really change things up or change the scheme up because he knows they're that they're gonna be successful playing a certain style of basketball and that was the way Kevin McHale coached. So it wasn't like the interim head coach came in and just coached a great game. He pretty much followed I, – I would assume he followed the same formula, you know, that they've been playing with. So, that's – I mean, they're coming off a big win. That's a big win for them, James Harden, having 45 points in overtime. Um, unfortunately, it was too little too late. You know, if they would have won a little bit earlier, Kevin McHale would probably still have a job. So, right. It's unfortunate. I just – I don't know. I mean, I understand – where in in the NFL, right? You only got sixteen games, right? It's a sixteen game season, right? So I understand how weighted like those four or five losses can be, but you're talking yeah. about what? It's an eighty two game seat, eighty two game season in the NBA. Eighty two games, eighty two games, and like including the playoffs, which the Rockets are projected to make. So they're projected to to play, you know, ninety to hundred plus games, and you fire them after the first. 11. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Because it's just about it, it's just like a just a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Yeah, like and especially in the beginning of the year, like you you don't know what your team is going to be, you know. A lot of teams a lot of the best teams hit their stride like midway or de- uh near the end of, near the end of the season, you know, they start playing their best basketball. So usually at the beginning of the year, you don't see your best out of teams anyways. I thought the the firing was unjust, to be honest. To be frank, um, there was nothing. There's no way to justify him getting fired after 11 games, especially coming off the season they had last year. But I don't know the the business side of things. You know, we never know what was potentially going on in the front office, whether he was, you know, clashing with the the owners and stuff there. So you never know what was going on in the locker room. I'm sure there were other factors that played into him getting fired, but. As far as from the outside looking in, from an NBA fan, 
I just think that this is uh this is unfair and I think it was a bad move for them. You know. You know, <clears throat> lost my voice there. But yeah, I think it's a bad move for them and um they need to obviously find a head coach quickly here or they're rolling with the inter- interim head coach for the rest of the year, which I don't see would be make a, you know, mm-hmm. would be a big difference because he's just going to do what Kevin McHale did. <laughs> right. So so he's just going to carry it on through. So Basically, I, yeah. So I, I don't know, definitely something to keep an eye on to watch to see how the Rockets progress from here. Let's move over to the east side now. We talk about my hometown, Cleveland Cavaliers, and their head, head honcho. And then you know what I want to bring up after we cover this real quick? I also want to bring up another, uh, another point. Don't let me forget after okay. we cover this. Um, so James said uh, via ESPN, we haven't done anything. We didn't win anything. We lost. We lost in the finals. So that's enough motivation for myself. I think we need to understand that. Like, we lost in the finals. We didn't win. Right. And a team that beat us looks hungrier than we are. So it shouldn't be that way. Right. Do you think he's correct? I mean, in basically calling out his team this way through the, through the media? Or do you feel like he's, this is something he's already said in practice? Um, well, the, well, with LeBron, whenever he says something, it's like you got to take whatever he says um, pretty seriously, obviously, because he's one of the top two players in the world. So when he speaks – Usually everybody's gonna listen, and I think, I think uh, I don't really I don't have a problem with what he said, um, calling out his teammates. It was kind of like, um, I guess he was just trying to fire them up, you know, make them realize that they hadn't won. A lot of the players on their team haven't won anything, you know, mm-hmm. haven't won. He's been to the finals six times. He's won. He's he's got two, two rings, right? You know, so he's been there. He's been there and done that. So he knows what it takes to get there. And a lot of his teammates that he's playing with now have never been to the finals outside of last year. So what I'm assuming he's saying is a lot of them were content or happy or felt like they had accomplished something by making it to the finals last year. And him him himself being in the finals, you know, six times, that's not an accomplishment for him. He wants to win. So basically what I hear him saying is just like, you guys shouldn't be happy with the fact that we made it to the finals. You should be happy. You should be disappointed and even hungrier that we lost in the finals. And then the team that beat us is undefeated. Is the only undefeated team in the NBA right now. So there's no way that they come off winning the finals and being hungrier than we are as if they lost. Right. He's basically saying the team that beat the Warriors are playing as if they lost in the NBA finals and we're playing as if we won. And that's not okay. So I'm, I'm – I per- personally would have wouldn't have verbalized it to the media, you know, like that. But I I still don't have a problem with what he said. He's trying to fire his teammates up, and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, yeah, because yeah, I I kind of I tend to agree with you on that. I don't think I think simply because he made a generalization as a team and he called out the entire team right. to the media. It, it's not so bad as to say like he picked up. Like one player be like, "Yo, Kyrie, you got to step your, yeah. you know what I mean? You got to yeah. get on the floor, be healthy. Love, why aren't you producing? Right, you know. So, I mean, he's right. He just is. He's just right. And I think part of the motivation for Steph Curry and that Warriors crew, um, there are a lot of doubters. Yeah, a lot of haters. Yeah, you know. And they say that you know the only reason they beat the Cavs was because they was all broke up. Exactly. You know, and it and it still took them six games to do it. I mean that was just basically with just LeBron and some toss offs. Yeah, I think I think the um the Warriors definitely have a motivation because a lot of people said they they got lucky 
you know, not even just with the Cavs, but throughout the whole playoffs. It's like every opponent that they faced had like a major player injured, you know, and that has, which is actually true, but, you know, that has nothing to do with their team. They can only control what they control. It's not right. their fault that they were healthy. You know, it's not their fault that they were clicking on all cylinders at the right time. So they they went out and played who was in front of them and beat them. You know, whether the, whether it be, you know, they had the other teams had star players out, you know, which is unfortunate because the Cavs did have two all-stars out. And then the series before that, I think they played the Rockets. Their starting point guard was out. In the series before that, they played the Grizzlies, and their starting shooting guard was out. So it was like it was a series of fortunate events for them. And a lot of people said that they may not have won a ring had those teams been healthy. So obviously that put a chip on their shoulder like, okay, we're going to go out and dominate and show that we can beat anybody regardless of how healthy they are, and that's what they're doing right now. And that's what LeBron's seeing. That's what the world is seeing. And – the Cavs still aren't completely healthy. You know, they're still missing their all-star point guard. So it's still time for them in the season. But LeBron wants everybody to just kind of wake up and, you know, realize that the Warriors look like the team here that's on a mission like they lost. And we're just here, you know, basking in the glory of being in the finals, which isn't okay. Right. I mean, like Tyler and I and Vic and I have talked about it a little bit about the NBA. It seems to me like there's just a race, Right. It's a race to get to those 50 wins, get somewhere in those eight seeds. It doesn't matter where you're at. Right. As long as you get one of those eight seeds to the playoffs. Right. A you lot, know, and then that's when the actual season starts. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of the um, the older teams like the Spurs and, you know, the more experienced teams that have been there before really don't care where they land as long as they're in the playoffs. A lot of younger teams want, like, the younger, more talented teams want the home court advantage because, you know, everybody's more comfortable playing at home. Mm-hmm. But the older teams, they've been there before. They don't care who they play in front of. So it's like a lot of – like the Spurs is a great example because they will literally sit players out just to rest them for the playoffs, right. you know. And, and games that they're supposed to win, they will just like sit like one or two star players just for the simple fact for them to have their legs by the time the playoffs come around that they're 100% healthy and ready to play 40-plus minutes and stuff like that. So – Right. Well, it, I mean, the Cavs did the same thing with LeBron. I mean, LeBron sat out, like, in the middle of the season, took, like, a two-week Just vacation. Just took two, we- two weeks off, yeah. Yeah, vacation. Went to, like, Copa or some stuff. It was, like, photos of in- him on Instagram. Oh, like, yeah, like, on a boat. Oh, I had no idea. Somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just chilling. But, you know, I mean, he's Braun. He's, like, oh, yeah, I knew he's, he took, that, he's that dude, you know? I, yeah, I knew he took two weeks off. I had no idea he was on vacation. But yeah, yeah, he was, like, legit on vacation. Like, just not <laughs> sitting on the bench chilling. No, he was, like. Oh, just in the middle of the season, just MIA gone. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people uh bashing for that, but he came back extremely. You know, he was playing the best basketball of his career when he came right. back. So it was like, what yeah. can you do? I mean, he put the entire team on his shoulders and carried him through that right. final series. So, right. I mean, shoot, if that's what it takes to get me, you know, shoot, being from Cleveland, I don't care if it's if that's what it takes to bring something, bring the hardware home to Cleveland. Back to the two one six. Finally, I mean, it'll be like the first hardware that we've gotten in Cleveland since the sixties. Yeah, the sixties. Yeah, I know. And then, and then even for your the NBA team, I don't think you guys have won ever, ever, ever. Yeah. See, that would be big time for the city. Yeah, that would be huge. I mean, they went nuts. I mean, it was like, I don't know how to explain. 
the finals in Cleveland. I mean, have you ever been over there? Have you been to the Q? I have been. I played. I played in like an AAU tournament at, at the Quicken Loans Arena. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, you know how they got it kind of set up there. There's the Quicken Loans Arena. Literally right across the street is uh, Jacobs Field, the baseball field. Yeah. Right, right in the backyard yeah. there. There's a little parking lot in the center, and then there's Fourth uh, Street, and there's all these restaurants. Yeah. And it's it's really – I mean, it used to be – but when I was a kid, I mean, it was bad. Like, you didn't go down there without your hobo stab insurance. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, like, it was bad. You, you didn't want to go down there. But then the Gateway Project happened, and they built it up around there, and they built these restaurants. You got Harry Buffalo's. Uh, the Winking Lizard is down there. They got a lot of nice restaurants. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. So much good. The uh, Tilted Kilt. Uh, Red is down there. That's one of those five-star schmancy places where you're not going to, like, the cheapest plate you're going to get is, like, 50 bucks a plate. Yeah. Yeah. Probably yeah. never see me there, but yeah. Yeah, yeah Tubby ain't going to go there to eat either. <laughs> I mean, I may be older, but I'm still just as broke as a joke, so I'm not going down there to eat. But it's it's a really nice environment. They even got the one street there on, on 4th Street itself is actually closed off for, like, a block, block and a half, and it's pedestrian only, so it's kind of like that. Um, when ESPN was there, they set up their big table or whatever was right there in the middle of 4th Street. Okay. So, um, but it's a really nice area, and I'm not trying to sell Cleveland as a tour- tourism uh, spot or anything like that, because that's just ridiculous. Why would you spend money? <laughs> but the thing of it is, is that the whole reason all of that is there is because LeBron built that. Right. You know, I mean, the whole reason all that's there is because the Cavs started winning and getting to the finals. So it means it means so much to the city just in revenue alone, hotels, food. And it's really not that bad of an area. I mean, like if you have to go watch the final some it's really not that bad. Yeah, I've been down, I've been downtown Cleveland a couple times. I actually liked it. I thought it was really nice. And they it was um what I heard was when LeBron left the first time, like that whole area just like that economy just kind of like plummeted. Mm, yeah. That's crazy that you know, one person has that type of influence like that. Well, it's I mean, it's, it's a sport. I mean, it's in Cleveland, sports isn't, I mean, they say like, you know, oh, sports is a religion, but it's a little bit deeper than that yeah. for us. I mean, it's it's not only religion, it's it's like our identity. Like somebody, if you live in Cleveland, you identify with one of the three major sports teams. Right. You just do. I mean, you may not be, you may not be a fan of all three. Like, you know, you may not hit the trifecta, be a Browns fan, Cavs fan, Indians fan like myself, but one of those three teams will be your identity, and you will follow that team, and that that's your escape from doing the mundane Monday through Friday grind that is your job yeah. or career. You know, that's your escape. And then when you see them go on the road and win, you're like, those are my guys. They're representing exactly. me. That's my team. You know, so yeah. Tyler gets on me all the time when I say – when I talk about the Browns and stuff and I say we, yeah, you know, or I say my – but it, it's, it's how we – it's a pride thing. Yeah, I mean, it's how we relate. You know, I mean, exactly. I I do the same thing. Like, if I was, if I could be more, I, I'm hoping to be more involved throughout this year and next. Um, with Edinburgh Sport, you'll you'll see me start to call like our guys, you know, yeah. or my guys, or my team, or my wrestle. You know what I mean? I just, I just, I send that. I, I guess it's my bad fandom. That's what Tyler likes to say. I'm a bad fan. <laughs> no, but I, I I totally understand that. Like when you get like, you're like emotionally involved with those teams. That's kind of how I am for the Pistons, even when they were awful, like, the right. past couple of years. And the Lions, even the Lions, you know, those are my guys. Right. So, like, when they lose, it's like, I'm losing. Like, I have a bad day. They were good up until 
this year. Until this year, they were in the playoffs <laughs> last year. But they beat Green Bay. Yeah, they, in I Green mean, Bay. That's a, that's great. Like we could have. You guys made my wife cry. Really? I'm not even because she's part owner of the Packers. So <laughs> he, she was upset. Like I couldn't talk to her for a while. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's like the inconsistency is what kills me. It's like right. we beat the Packers one day, but we're losing to everybody else. So. I understand where you come from, where you empathize with teams, and you just get like emotionally involved. I totally understand that. So, yeah, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> <laughs> right now, I um, you got some news. Yeah, I have some news. I got some other news. Great. And then I got a comment slash question. All right. Okay. So first news is here at nine forty five, Fenner's going to be calling in to talk about Burrow. Burrow Athletics and uh, and Scott Browning leaving the program. Okay. So we're going to have him at 9.45. On tomorrow's show, when I have to ride solo, um, my good friend Pierre M. Woods will be calling in. Now, Pierre Woods is a former NFL um, linebacker, played for the New England Patriots from 2006 to 2010, um, also played in, I believe, 2010, played with the Buffalo Bills. Okay. So he's going to be calling in, but why this pertains to you, Chu, is he's a Michigan grad. Oh, graduated from University of Michigan? Mm-hmm. Oh. From Ann Arbor. That's my school. I love that school. Yeah. So he's one of those. So him and I always butt <laughs> heads because he's, he's also a co-host on another show um, on ABC Channel 5 in Cleveland, WEWS, uh, Dogs on the Run, which is a web show they do. Okay. Which is like post-game for the Browns, and he gives his analysis and stuff. So him and I always butt heads because you know me i'm a buckeye okay yeah. through and through i'm from the ohio state university oh, who has owned that team up north agreed so heading in, in, football. in, in football. football in football in football yeah. <laughs> and wrestling <laughs> and soccer and hockey uh, the only but, sports i care about are football and basketball <laughs> <laughs> all right all right i'll give you that whenever like somebody wants to talk trash about ohio state uh, football and Michigan football. I just, I just say like, all right, well, we have to play basketball. Let's play basketball. That's where I go with it. I don't even argue anymore. You just tell them winter's coming. Yeah, and and, and the hard, the hardwood is calling. Yeah, I get you. I get you. That's right. Well, that's what I told him because he was he was kind of bagging a little bit on Edinburgh. Yeah, and he's like, you guys are Division Two. What, what are you guys doing? Right. And I'm like, hold on now. <laughs> I says our wrestling squad beat your wrestling squad, beat Michigan's wrestling squad. Yeah. Took third in the nation last year. Yeah. Yeah, where wrestling. was Michigan at? Where are they at though? <laughs> where are they at? And he was like, "Don't talk to me." <laughs> I get under his skin so bad. So that's going to be fun. We're going to have him coming on. Uh, but the one question I wanted to ask before we hit our break, before we get Fender in here, when dealing with the NBA, do the players have too much control? Do you think over like who actually coaches them, or changes to be made within the coaching staff? Because there was a lot of talk when when David Black came. Because they got they hired David Black for the Cavaliers before they knew for sure LeBron was going to return, right? And then we look at the McHale firing, right? And and as you were talking about, you alluded to that they didn't they didn't necessarily were advocating for the coach to be fired. I mean, do the players really have that kind of power where they can say, "Look, this coach, man, he just doesn't know what he's talking about. He's got to go." I think. Um as far as like having too much power, I think that organizations will do whatever they can to keep their star players happy. So I'm gonna start off by saying that I think that um, they have some type of influence. You know, like the 
the owner or the uh, the general GM is going to ask, like, how do you feel about this coach here? You know, I don't think that they just go out and handpick a certain coach. Obviously, they have there are coaches out there that um, everybody wants to play for, but it's like you have you do have a certain type of influence when you're a superstar on that team. They will do whatever it takes to keep you there. You know, as far as like, especially as far as like getting free agents and you know drafting certain players you see that with LeBron like LeBron has gone to two different locations and changed turned both of those teams into instant title contenders so it's like they're they will do I would I'll just stay on the subject of LeBron in Cleveland they're gonna do whatever it is to keep him happy to keep him in because he's he's, he's gonna be a free agent next year you mm-hmm. know so they they want to do whatever it takes so when I say too I wouldn't say too much but they definitely have you know, a certain influence in there when it comes to picking a head coach or, you know, signing a new player. So that's that's what I would say to answer your question. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of what I was looking for because I just I, – it just amazes – because I'm like – I love team sports and I love team play. I love that five guys will, with heart and determination can beat – Four guys and a star. Yeah. You know yeah, what I'm I like saying? That. I, like, I that's what I like to see. That's, yeah. you know, give me five guys who are really playing together, who are playing, who grasp the, key, the team concept and are out there grinding it out, sweating it out, you know, not only for their team, but, you know, for their, uh, for their teammates, you know, for their buddies on the team, yeah. you know, and it's one voice, one mind, everybody pulling the same way, right. you know? And this star mentality, I think it's I think it's the NBA's own gosh darn fault because it, instead of like back in the day, instead of it being like the Lakers versus the Celtics, it was Magic v Bird, right? You know, or um, it was like uh, Jordan versus Isaiah. Yeah, you know what I mean. So they built that star mentality up, yeah. and I think now we're just kind of having to pay for it. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think I agree with you on that one. You know, and that comes from like the star players. It it actually takes the star players because the media and the fans build up those superstars, and it kind of take it kind of actually puts the onus on the star players to be like, "Look, we're a team. I couldn't have done it without my teammates." You know, saying stuff right. like that to kind of uh, die down their uh, influence or whatever, if you want to, if you want to call it. So, yeah, I think the media has a lot to do with that. Okay, as far as building them up, but. You know, it takes a star player to be like, listen, I couldn't have won the MVP without my teammates or this, that, and that. <laughs> All righty. That's awesome. That's good stuff. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and take this break. We'll try to get Finner on in here. It is 945 right here on 88.9 WFSE Fighting Scots Radio. This is the morning after. I'm Tubby. That's Chewy. We'll be right back with you here on the other side. All righty. Welcome back. It's the morning after. It's your boy Tubby right here with my man Chewy. And uh, on the phone right now, we have Mike Fenner calling in to talk about some Borough Athletics. Mike, are you with us? Oh, yeah. How's it going, guys? I'm going pretty well. Uh, let me see if I can raise your level here to see if I can hear you. How about now? Oh, that's not, that's not on your end. That's on my end. Uh, my level's going to turn up because I've got strep throat. I'm trying to fight through it. <laughs> Playing hurt. I like it. I like it. <laughs> What's up, Mike? He's, he's calling in with a little bit of strep throat. Oh, yeah. Chewy doesn't have his, doesn't have his, uh, have his cans on. So I can't hear you, Mike. So essentially, it's just you and I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chewy, doing that couple header last night was uh, wow. It would have been enjoyable, but wow, I took a lot out of me. 
<laughs> right, you sound pretty soft, like you needed a, a good long nap and some Theraflu. Yeah. But uh, the reason I, I called you in off the bench, pulled you out of sick bay today, was the news bomb that dropped yesterday. You have an article up on edinburghnow.com, Scott Browning not returning as head football coach of your Fighting Scots. Yeah, this was a, a difficult decision to make. I talked to uh, athletic director Bruce Baumgartner a little bit yesterday. I uh, ran him down before the basketball double header. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, you know, he, he, he made sure to emphasize it was a difficult decision because of the character guy he is. Um, but he said he knows it's the correct one because, you know, there needs to be a change when you have the losing that you had this season. Um, those aren't his words. That's just kind of going off of, you know, the, the idea of what's been happening. He said there needed to be a change, but I'm going off of, uh, 0-11 this season, obviously not a dream year. Not what you want to see. And in the last four seasons, it's been four straight losing seasons, 12-31 and 31 overall for a record. First time since um, six straight losing seasons from 97 to 0-2. <clears throat> Pardon me, that has gone four years with a losing season straight. Um, so he wanted to emphasize it was a difficult decision, but uh, clearly the one that he feels comfortable making. Right. Tyler and I briefly kind of alluded to it. I kind of put him on the spot with it when I asked him the question. I said, uh, I asked Tyler, I said, well, where does the where does the Edinburgh football program go from here? And, you know, we kind of we didn't really want to speculate. It wasn't really, you know, our place or our pay grade. But um, I don't I, to me as, as a commentator and as a morning show host show host here, it kind of seemed like the, the writing was on the wall for a big shakeup. Yeah, it definitely seemed like <clears throat> this is what we're headed for. Uh, this is what we were headed for. And I asked him, you know, I, I know you said in the release national search, and that's one of the comments he made. Um, he, he meant, <clears throat> excuse me, he meant it. He wants to go look anywhere and everywhere to see who could be the, the next football coach for this program. And he told me, you know, I talked to him just a touch over an hour after the release came out. And he told me he already received five emails. So clearly there's going to be interest. Uh, there's going to be people from far and wide that want to put their hat into this um, football job. The one thing he could not confirm to me is the status of the rest of the coaching staff. Um, not guaranteed that <clears throat> anyone will come back. Everyone, everyone might come back. Some stay, some go. Um, that's still yet to be figured out. So um, is that you never kind know of, is... if anyone can get promoted either to head coach or, uh, you know, coordinate, you know, move up to coordinator position. So it'll be interesting to see how it shapes out. Is there, um, is there kind of like a, 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 is Edinburgh under a deadline to try to find a head coach with the recruiting season fast approaching and, and all of that stuff? Or do we have enough uh, leeway here to really do an exhaustive search? Um, I think he wants to go somewhere in the middle. Doesn't want to try to rush something and, and you know nail somebody down within the next two or three weeks necessarily. It could happen that way if he finds the right fit. Um, but he said, you know, still want to take a little bit more time, but obviously you want to have somebody in here by the time you're talking about more extensive winter workouts and you know, by the time we're coming back for next semester, certainly want to have somebody in place because you don't want to go into spring football not knowing who's leading these guys and um, I want to make sure there's there's a face up there and to make sure these guys are sticking around. Okay. 
Um, so you're going to have more coming up on this. You're going to be following the pulse of this story, I believe, for us going forward, Mike. Oh, yeah. You can uh, follow it at edinburghnow.com and be continuing to update that, get more quotes uh, from Bruce up there and uh, get the official statement from Coach Browning. And he was uh, unable to talk to the media yesterday and has declined to comment, but he did issue uh, one general statement, so I'm going to be uh, posting that as well. But yeah, keep following it at edinburghnow.com. I'll keep updating it, and um, it'll be better reading it than hearing it from me now, considering my state. Right. So I, I won't make you um, pull a tendon or anything. Real quick, uh, your thoughts tonight. I believe your Titans are taking on the Jags, correct? Oh, yeah. It's the uh, <clears throat> second straight week of the color rush. <laughs> All righty. So, <clears throat> so I should be interesting. At least you'll get to see uh, see your Titans on primetime tonight, and, uh, and uh, hopefully they perform well, and we'll talk about them on tomorrow's show as uh, either I will fly solo or by some miracle um, you see a faith healer get your chakras aligned or whatever and beat that strip that you're trying to beat. Yeah, exactly. We'll see uh, We'll see how it goes. Hey, I uh, want to mention real quick, two big wins last night for Borough Basketball. Nice win for the ladies, but uh, congrats to the men breaking that six-game losing streak to SRU. That's a huge way to start the season. Yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly what we talked about opening the show this morning. Chu and I went over that. Uh, huge redemption, huge confidence builder for this men's team uh, putting down Slippery Rock. I told him, I said, anytime you can beat Rock is a good day in my yep. book. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, we're, we're really excited, looking forward to see what both men and women can do as uh, they're both uh, undefeated right now in the PSAC West. And uh, we mentioned that Slippery Rock is one of those teams that, Granted, the playoffs may not go through them, but they're one of those contenders that you just have to beat in order to go anywhere within a PSAC. No doubt about it. Two big wins, and uh, can't wait to see what we got ahead. We've got plenty of ball coming up, and excited to have it back. Right. Yeah, it's an exciting time to be here at Burrow. So uh, so we'll let you go. We'll let you rest up. Get some tea and honey, Mike. Rest those uh, vocal cords and uh, get healthy, will you? I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right, thanks so much for calling in. All right, that was Mike Fenner, our uh, station manager, sports writer extraordinaire, uh, with his with his finger on the pulse of Borough Athletics. And uh, Chew, I think that about does our time, buddy. Yep, where it for us? It, went, it flew by. It did. It did. It did go by pretty fast. You know what? And and time flies when you're having fun, though. And, and you know what? I think I think we deserve we deserve one of these. Mm-hmm. Simply because we did an entire show sends Tyler Trumbauer. Yeah. No mistakes. Yeah. Everybody called in. Yeah. Everybody groovy. Yeah. <laughs> no got hiccups. The, got the job done. We got it done, son. So, so yeah, that's about it out of us. That's Chewy. I'm Tubby. I'll be back here tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. the morning after. Uh, we're gonna go over. Uh, we're gonna go over the NFL action from last night. We're gonna preview the upcoming. NFL action, uh, maybe preview a little bit of uh, Bro Athletics as Tyler hopefully will be able to call in from a report from way up in Connecticut as he's traveling with the women's soccer team. We'll have that call for you right here on 88.9 WFSE, Scott's Fighting, Fighting Scott's Radio. Um, that's a noon kick, I believe he said. So, um, But we'll have that for you right here and streaming at Edinburgh Now or via the TuneIn app 
on your mobile devices. That's a 12 kick for the women's soccer playoff game, and Tyler will be calling the play-by-play and color, I believe. So he'll be doing double. He'll be working hard up there in Connecticut. So he'll be calling in. Also, I will have a guest, Pierre M. Woods, uh, linebacker, former NFL linebacker, resident Cleveland, resident of Cleveland, Michigan grad. So we're going to go over and talk some NFL with him. So keep it tuned right here to 88.9 WFSE. For the rest of your day, for your listening pleasure, all the news around campus and beyond, we are Campus Media.